welcome to the Lifehouse Church Beloved Podcast. My name is Lena Hobson and I'm here with Carolyn Thomas and Olivia Robson. Ooh. <laughs> new, new name. <laughs> uh, how you doing, girls? Good. Well, thank you. We are continuing on with our series on Colossians and we're going to be looking at chapter 2 today, verses 1 to 4. So the last podcast we were we looked at chapter 1, we were looking at the work of Jesus and how he's reconciled us to God through his blood shed on the cross for us. And so as I said, this podcast we're going to be moving on to chapter 2 and we're going to start off by looking at verses 1 to 4. Alright, so I'll just read it from the NIV. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. So the word Paul uses here for contend is agon, from which we get our English word agony. And when he wrote this letter, Paul was in prison in Rome, so he could not actually go to Colossae um, to, to see them. So what was he actually contending? What was his struggle, girls? Um, I just want to first, I'll go into that now, but just talk about that word agony. Just a dictionary definition there is just that extreme mental or physical suffering. And we were just talking before we started just about how rich the scriptures are and how you know, you can read a verse and you can read it several times, but just the, you know, the meaning, the, the words that Paul chooses are just absolutely packed with meaning. So that word agony, intense pain of mind or body, a violent struggle or a contest. And so he was contending in prayer for them. And, you know, I believe it's because of the word agony and stuff, it's really warfare prayer. And it's because he knew about the false teaching that was trying to creep into the church. And, you know, you think about the effect of that Gnostic teaching it would, that it would have had on people's eternity because if that had got into the church, um, you know, it would have been disastrous because remember at the core of that teaching, that false teaching, the heresy that Paul was refuting by writing this, it was an attack on Jesus Christ, attack on his very deity. And so they were pre- trying to present a false Jesus and that means eternity lost if we follow a false Jesus mm. and not the true one. And and so I think you can only imagine how frustrated Paul must have felt because he's under house arrest in Rome. He couldn't physically get to go to them to go and refute and challenge these false teachers face to face, which I'm sure he was burning to do. And so he, he wrote letters such as this Colossians to refute the teaching and you know, imagine as well in those days. So, you know, now we've got all this instant emailing and everything, but you know, that would have been snail pace. Snail mail is very best. So he would have had to be burning with all of this when he's heard about it, write the letter, and then he's got to sit and wait now for how long it took that letter to get there and then wait for a response as well. Imagine just waiting, am I going to hear today? Am I going to hear? And just struggling for them all the time in prayer. Yeah, so. I've always wondered about that, like what happens in the timeline because they've got this problem. They send someone off to Paul and. You know, they're they're dealing with all these issues on the home base and they're waiting for... (laughs) They finally get the instructions and you, like, wonder in between what happened. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. All right. Olivia, what does it mean to, like, contend in prayer for someone? I think that um, 
it's it can be quite a sacrifice of time and of your emotions like it's draining emotionally um but you're basically praying with that real earnest or uh, like yeah like carolyn was saying it's a real warfare kind of prayer if you're struggling contending for someone you're fighting for them to come through and i think that um paul really had to hand over the control to God mm. with that and that would have been a struggle as well um, as we were just saying he couldn't physically be there he couldn't physically go in and step into that situation he had to just struggle with God with yeah. That. yeah and I, I think what you're saying as well that it's bearing a burden for someone isn't it behind on behalf of them fighting for them in the spiritual realm and you know often the person's not even aware I mean they're clearly they would have been aware but I know that I've had situations where um, sometimes I've had a burden maybe for a few hours and I'll just really go and pray until I feel it lift or sometimes it's longer and I, I had one um, you know fairly recently where it was a two-year burden for someone just waking up in the early hours the Lord showed me stuff in that but I couldn't share it with them I couldn't talk to them about it because it wasn't you know the Lord's timing and stuff and so that was just really praying through all the time and watching and it's really hard and this was what he would have ha- hard to have the knowledge uh, of what's going on and, and to watch the situation um, you know and just have to as you say keep handing it over to God but you know it's a really good lesson in self-discipline as well and persistence especially mm-hmm. if God hasn't released you you know it's not something you you can talk to the person about or whatever and and just that as well of having to do as you say Olivia hand it over to God do it his way and not yeah. the, the way and, and you know sometimes it's maybe a blessing like he would have loved to have gone there I'm sure but mm. you know it's like well I have to hand it over and, and obviously God can do a lot more but yeah. yeah and it's something you have to do until you're released from yes. that burden yeah. it's not just okay well I'm done yeah because God releases you from that burden um, and that's when you can stop. Ephesians six eighteen talks about being alert and always keep on praying. And Colossians four two says devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So I think that's um, you know, contending in prayer or struggling in prayer for someone involves that constantly being on alert and yeah. watching out and praying as the need yeah. arises. Yeah. Yeah. So that watchfulness is really important. Right, have you ever said, mm-hmm. there's nothing to do except to pray, or, you know, all I can do is pray, yes. there's nothing left. <laughs> That's why I wrote it, yes. <laughs> implies that there's, there's uh, you know, I've tried everything else, so I've just got to settle for prayer as if it's the last useless resort, because that's really what it sounds like, isn't it? Oh, well, there's nothing else we can do except pray, as if that's just exhausted everything else, and in fact, prayer should be our first option, shouldn't it, that we go to because prayer actually says I can't do this but God can so I'm going to bring it to him because he'll work out his way if I give it to him um, and, and you know prayer is and I think that's the hard thing it's trusting God by actually handing it over to him we want to try and fix it ourselves and do things ourselves and yeah mm. that's really happened yeah if you listen to 1 John five fourteen, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and also, of course, the Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And these verses are actually, and there's a lot more, and Lena, you just read one, and there's, you know, I've got more here that I won't read out now, but it's actually a command. We're commanded to do it as well and told to do it. Yeah. 
Um, I think what's really important about prayer is that it's about finding out God's will for a situation yes. and praying for that to come into being. Yeah. It's not like you your grocery list, your shopping list of... <laughs> this is what I want. want da, 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 da. It's actually about surrendering our will to God and aligning ourselves with Him and drawing near to Him and then praying what we want. And Psalm 37.4 tells us to take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. So when we take delight in the Lord, our heart desires what He wants and His yeah. will. So our prayers are what God desires to occur. So it's not just, God, I would really love a new car, yeah. and I'm going to pray for that, and that happens. It's my desire is your will. Yeah. And that's when, when you're doing that, you get the result of Matthew 7, 7 to 8, ask and it will be given to you. Yep. Um, and I yeah. think you said something really important there, Lena that it's actually submitting to his will and asking for his will because it is easy to pray the answer that you think that you want and and and, a, and prayer definitely moves God's hand and I think it is because when we get to that point of where we say right it doesn't matter how I would like it to work out I choose to submit my will to your will I think that delights him and you know that's when he moves mm. I like it. So, to sum up, we shouldn't do anything without first praying. It's not a last-ditch effort. (laughs) And, you know, often as well in situations, if you think about it, I mean, prayer, there's warfare prayer as well, and prayer is a powerful, powerful weapon. Um, So, yes, you'll have times where there's a burden and sometimes you don't even know what it is and you're just praying into that. But there's other times when you know you're going to tackle a situation or something, you launch that prayer like nuclear missiles in beforehand. (laughs) The number you know, of times Carolyn sent me a message like that. We need to nuke this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and we often don't really think about, you know, we might be something coming up and we're praying and we're anxious and we say, Lord, just take over. But, like, how about just turning, like, right, we're going to send these weapons in before to just clear the ground mm. and then we're going to go in. Yeah. Right, Paul would have also been aware that his personal struggle of keeping true to the faith while he was imprisoned awaiting trial was also really important for those who regarded him as their father in the faith. So what is our responsibility as leaders or as mothers and fathers in the faith? Alright, well obviously clearly we've got to maintain our testimony by living the word that we claim to believe, so you know, practicing what we preach. And we've got to apply God's word to our own lives first, live practicing the fruit and stuff, because you can't go in. It's not a case of telling other people, well, do what I say and not what I do. It doesn't work like that. You've got to actually show it in your own life. And, you know, the sad thing is we see over and over again that, you know, people's faith does get shipwrecked if they've got someone that they consider, you know, a parent in the faith that they look up to and that person falls. I mean, you've seen it before and yes they will still answer for for themselves but the bible also talks to us about not being a stumbling block for people that are less mature in the faith um, you know because they can become disillusioned and um, you know we know as well more is caught than taught that's the saying that we have around and that's them watching and um, you know your unsaved family and friends as well if they see you as a hypocrite it's going to just turn them totally off to the message isn't it and am I skipping ahead, Lena? You was totally that? are. Okay, so <laughs> another really good point. I'll let you two talk first, then I'll come to it. <laughs> I feel like I'll be skipping ahead too, but I thought what? that... Order, I thought, ladies. Order. I, I thought that 
tends to my um, mind, and this is fairly different, is um, I know a lot of people who maybe are in leadership and they make a mistake and they just kind of rub it off, oh, I'm human, like, you know, I make mistakes. And, and I, I get that, but at the same time, they don't own up to the responsibility yeah. that they're in that position. Yeah. And I thought of it like celebrities. Justin Bieber like went through that stage where he just went really downhill and lots of teenagers looked up to him yes. but he didn't realize that it doesn't matter like he was put in the spotlight that's just it whether he calls himself a leader or not he was someone that yeah. people looked up to yeah. and he just like let go of that responsibility so I kind of see it as you're appointed in that position whether you like it or not that is your responsibility yeah, as a yeah. leader. And as you say, people mm. fall and make mistakes, but yeah. it is that it's about confessing. Just like anyone else would yeah. have to confess and repent and own up to it. Yeah. And I think that shows leadership too, if yeah. you are able yeah. to come to that right standing yeah. yeah. and admit that. And show that humility yeah. and whatever. And you yeah. know, often that will even bond you closer to people, but it's yeah, it's That's actually right. not trying to cover it and hide it. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. As a leader, you're an ambassador to both the saved and the unsaved. Mm. And when you're managing God's household, you need to be above reproach in every area of your life, including your family, which sometimes people can overlook because, like, that's my private business, yeah. not yeah. yours. But if you're not managing your family, how can you manage God's household? And the Bible says that, doesn't it? And, th- and that's where you test me. You're testing me in your character and all of that is really who you are at home. In the dark, where no one sees yeah. you, that's really who you yeah. are. You know, we've been watching all these, um, I don't I was going to call them reality TV shows, but I don't know if they call that, but you know, like Biggest Loser and The Block and all those, you know, things. And there's been, um, you know, some cases like where people have, un- you see under pressure the true person. Yes. Mm. And, um, you know, there's a case where I didn't see the episode, but where this one girl was saying really nasty things to another, and then afterwards, like, oh, that's not me, I'm sorry, it's not me at all. Actually, it is the real you yeah. that's when you see the real you under a pressure situation mm. and yeah so so really with your family as you say we might think you know but that's the real testimony of who you are and that just um, leads me to my really good point that I had <laughs> um, you know not that our unsafe family um, and friends we've got a responsibility to them as well because they're watching and I've just been thinking about this in light of a, a person you know that I have in mind that who's got um, who's been going to church for years and years and years and years and her husband's unsaved and um, you know she just will hold on to that scripture about or you know and uh, there's a scripture that talks about a believing wife stay with the unbelieving husband because you know he by her conduct. You may get saved. and So there's a lot of people in that situation where they hold on to that, oh, well, the Word says this, so God will just do it. And I'm sort of gearing up to say, well, hang on, let's look at the second part or the condition or the, the, the words that follow that scripture, which are like you could win them over by your conduct. And I know over the years I've seen the absolute hypocrisy and just the behavior when this person doesn't get their own way and and the attitudes and whatever. And it's like, I want to try to say gently, is there any way that your husband could have seen you with your behaviors as a hypocrite over all these years, which I know the answer is yes. Um, And, you know, so really there, you know, there's no point taking a scripture and holding on to it when you're not fulfilling, you know, the conditions that you have to yeah. fulfill in that because it's all very well, oh, I believe God because the scripture says, you know, he can get saved just by being around me. But yes, if you are winning over by your conduct, 
mm. and that is so important and you know you have a lot of people that are confessing Christians and I'm not saying they're not and whatever but you can't be doing one thing around your Christian friends in a church and then on Facebook mm. you know be posting because those are the kind of things that people look at they, they look at that more than what's coming out of your mouth your behaviour matters yeah. more than what you say yeah mm. yeah that's what oh bothers me like you get a group of christians out in public sometimes and honestly sometimes i'm just embarrassed and they'll bring up like church or make it clear that we're christians but your behavior has shown Mm. demonstrated to the world the complete opposite you know if you know we say we want people to trust god in their lives but we worry all the time what are we saying about god that he can't be trusted or we gossip we're bitter resentful we should be known for our love for one another but why would people want to associate with God when his people are caught up with tearing each other down, yeah, being petty yeah, and small-minded? Yeah, what about you know just being controlled by the flesh? Mm. So we're denying God's power to save, to heal, to change, to do anything when we're controlled by our flesh. You know, sexual immorality, materialism, no self-control about eating or exercise, being wrapped up in the concerns of the world. Mm. You know, our life should demonstrate clearly that there is a difference um, and that our citizenship is in heaven not being wrapped up in the cares of the world. You know, I think what you're saying is important. If we spent all our time applying scripture to ourselves and studying the word and getting in, like, all of that would take care of itself, wouldn't it? Like, the yeah. test me would be there. Yeah. That's what our focus needs to be. When you're talking about hypocrisy, I've been reading um, 2 Samuel, and it's going through, like, David's kingship, and it's, you know, I've just read the chapter where David commits adultery with Bathsheba, um, and then he arranges the murder of her husband and then the consequences of their actions which were, you know, not just that their child died but then the way that played out in his son's life um, that, you know, his oldest son, the crown prince Amnon then raped his sister Tamar and then Absalom later on murdered him f- mm. for doing that and then David pretty much stood back and did nothing because how could he correctly discipline his children when he himself yeah. had done the exact same yeah. things? Yeah. So he just allowed that behaviour to play out and put the whole Israelite country in disorder yeah. because of his behaviour. Yeah. Mm. And, and what you say is right there, how can you? How many kids have grown up where you getting, let's say, your father punishing you for something and in your head you're just like, but, you know, they do it. Mm. But you're just growing up with that whole concept of the, you know, what a hypocrite. Yeah. And it's funny that people don't see that, hey? Mm. Yep, good. Okay. Alright, so let's move on to verse 2, which says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. So Paul prays that their hearts may be encouraged. And the word he uses, paracaline. It made me think of paracletus, you know, Holy Spirit, like. Um, encouragement. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're right. <laughs> so that word is about, um, that Greek word is about enabling a person to meet a difficult situation with confidence or courage. Liv, did you want to talk more about that? Well, I kind of found what Carolyn had to invoke the Holy Spirit. 
So to find that encouragement, we can't find that from ourselves. We don't have the ability, but having in, in prayer with the Holy Spirit, I think that that's where your heart is truly encouraged when he speaks directly to your heart. That's good. I just um, think of it when I think of encourage, yeah, encourage and heart. I just think the word that came to mind first was bolstering, like a real shoring up mm-hmm. in a bolstering, um, courageous hearts. And then, then I looked up further, just what that um, cor- encouraged, I think, in the dictionary, in the action of giving someone support, confidence or hope. And that's what you said, the Holy Spirit does that for us, encourage us. And synonyms, obviously, heartening, emboldening, fortification, exhortation, persuasion to do or continue. I love that emboldening and that fortification. It really talks about shoring you up so that you can, like you said, Lena, be able to stand through whatever comes. And, you know, it's so important because, as you said, it's going to help us to stand and persevere no matter what we're facing. And we need to remember we are, whether we like it or not, we are in battle all the time. You know, we're living in a battle and, and we need courage and confidence to be able to stand in that because we are opposed. And, you know, there's different times we feel it more than others. Um, you know, but the results are that we're going to develop perseverance and character and, and so we can stand under that pressure and intimidation and that's one of the enemy's biggest weapons is that intimidation and mm-hmm. so if you faint-hearted, you, you know, going to crumble under that and, yeah, I think the way, as you said, live our hearts, get encouraged, you know, with the Holy Spirit and also I think being in the Word, meditating on and really getting into the Word of God because you get those scriptures into your spirit and that's what's going to encourage you and fortify you, you know, when you need it as well, it will come out and waiting on the Lord as well, spending time in prayer and in his presence. And 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says, All scriptures God breathes and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So again, that just highlights that importance of really getting in the word. And Psalm 119 um, verse 105 your word is a lamp for my feet a light on my path and you know Paul just wanted them that's why he says I want your hearts to be encouraged you wanted them to be filled with that courage to be able to cope or face any situation any false teaching that came their way yeah so necessary for trials and tribulations that's right alright so Paul goes on to say that his goal is that the church will be united in love so that's about you know being joined together and that love that's supposed to bind us together or knit us together rather than being divided. You know, that being of one heart and mind. Yep. So John thirteen thirty five says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And then Matthew seven sixteen says, By their fruit you will recognize them. And love, as we know, is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Matthew seven twenty again, Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. And, you know, without love there isn't a real church. It's just going to be empty ritual and tradition and just coming together and, you know, just because that's what we do like a club. And, um, you know, I think so for the true church or the real church or the real disciples, distinct, the distinguishing mark is this love and it's it's love first for God and then from there it flows out to other people. You know, if you don't have that primary relationship with God sorted, then you can't really love others. You know, when they're difficult or whatever difficult situations, it's only because you've got Christ first and you love Him first that then His love um, helps you to do that. And we know as well that unity commands a blessing. Psalm 133, you know, has that. It's got how good and pleasant when God's people live together, and then it goes on, and then at the end it says, For there the Lord bestows His blessing. 
yeah um, and then we've got Galatians 5 which shows us a bit of the results of disunity so um, it's saying you know you were called to be free and don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh serve one another in hum- humbly in love and the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command love your neighbours yourself and then here's the consequences of disunity or not doing that if you bite and devour each other watch out or you will be destroyed by each other and um, yeah so that's why unity is really important um, there's more scriptures on that I feel like I'm just talking too much you got no. stuff to say <laughs> okay um, but you know as well um, uh, Jesus says as well in Luke 11:17. but he knowing their thoughts said to them every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and a divided house falls divided household falls and so that's the thing if we don't have unity all manner of evil is going to come in yeah I think I also saw the love as united in love we may not necessarily feel love yeah. to someone at certain times but the uniting fact the uniting point of, of all of us as, as God's people is the love that Christ had for us yes, and good. that should be like that that love is what makes us love because yeah. yeah. he when we see how much God that Christ did for us and we have that love for him together how can we not move as one in that that and that's really important because you know what we've you know I've often well David now maybe I shouldn't admit to this but you know there's often been people that we've been with in church and that that just maybe with personalities and interests and who you are like they're not people outside of the church that we would necessarily have been in relationship with Mm. or associate because I mean let's face it most of us you know have our own interests and our own we sort of tend to people that are you know similar and and so you have all these diverse people that outside of that situation you may not have normally spent time with or mixed with and and it is as you say live we've got the the thing we have in common is Jesus Christ yeah that's what that's important it's not about chemistry yeah Yeah. it's about Christ being found on the rock and then the rest yeah. of it is just fruits of the well, spirit. What's obeying command as well? Yeah. Isn't that love he commands you to? Because as you said, you're not going to often feel like it. More yeah. often than not, you don't feel like it. And I mean, fruit of the spirit like love, it's not a feeling. Yeah. It's a choice, a decision that you're going to make. And it's a command. And so, yeah, you often won't feel like it, but you choose to. And, and I found as well that in... Um, you know, in leadership and things and over the years of running churches, sometimes you do have to deal with very difficult people and, um, you know, you can get disillusioned, you can get bitten, you know, sheep butt, um, they butt you. Um, and it's only, and you know, if you didn't have that love of God, then you would just cut them off and that would be, a, it's because you have his love in your heart that you can still get bitten and put your hand out to them again and get bitten and put your hand out and get butted and whatever, you know, that. but it's because of that love that that's what makes you keep going in and doing that. Yeah. And you don't feel like it, but you've made that choice and it's a fruit. Yeah. The rest of verse 2 and 3 says, So that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So the word Paul's used for understanding is synesis, which is the ability to assess a situation and decide on a course of action. So why is it important for the church to have this understanding? 
Well, we've got to know what to do in situations when action is needed and, you know, you need wisdom and discernment and you need a knowledge of the word as it takes great skill and knowledge to, to run a church and just to, you know, to choose the correct course of action, especially if it's a crisis and you've got to act under pressure. Um, yeah, and, you know, here again, Paul, I love it, he's just constantly refuting the false teaching because, of course, that's why he wrote the letter and... You know, the, the Gnostics believed that they had a great, um, you needed a great lot of elaborate knowledge necessary for salvation because remember, they always they denied Christ's deity and so they've got add ons. And um, Paul says, hidden in Christ, again, because he's targeting that comment straight at that false teaching because they wrote their knowledge in books that they called Apocrypus probably said it wrong but you're quite good Lena saying these Greek words mm. um, which means hidden and that's the same word that's why he's using that word hidden I think he's probably been a bit sarcastic towards them and you know he's saying that Paul so much. Yeah, <laughs> I know. he's saying their books of knowledge you know their books of knowledge weren't available to the ordinary man they were barred it was a big secret thing hidden and you know that made me think of the Freemasons as well with all the hidden stuff that people even in it don't know until they get higher up and so using that word hidden, Paul's just saying like you've got all your hidden stuff and we've got knowledge as well, but it's not hidden. It's a secret that's revealed, you know, and it's mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. And I think he was just sort of hammering in a bit on that. Um, so the real church has got to have clear-sighted wisdom to act for the best for any given situation. And so we really need to have that knowledge and yeah. that wisdom and we only get it through Christ. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, because if we rely on our own human thinking and understanding, we can end up doing the wrong thing. Because what we think is wise can yeah. actually be folly yeah, in God's exactly, view. Exactly. Yeah, and the Bible talks about that. The wisdom of the world is foolishness yeah. to God. Yeah. And again, one of my favourite scriptures. Guess what it is, Lena? Mm, no. <laughs> his ways and his oh, thoughts are higher. <laughs> 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 <Hey, laughs> as you said, Lena, we might. Think we look at it from just our earthly perspective and we might really agonize and think this is the best course of action but of course we cannot see the whole picture we only see a bit and so if we rely on God's wisdom and knowledge and the you know the download we get from him because he sees the beginning from the end and the big picture it may look very di- what well, does often I'm sure look very different to how we see it and so we really cannot rely on our own understanding mm. yeah. and I think where that understanding originates um, is in the relationship. Like you were saying, I think it's funny that he was being sarcastic that things are hidden, you know, the mysteries, but God doesn't hide things, but he does call us to seek Mm. him. So that relationship then gives that understanding. You won't just have that understanding because you're a Christian. You have to be seeking him. Yeah. Yeah. And then that... And as you said, that relationship, because only when you're in relationship yeah. is your spirit alive then to God and, um, you know, to, to the Holy Spirit actually giving you revelation and opening. And, you know, if it's not, you're not going to have that. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, that was me dropping my pen. Disgraceful, which I've now lost. All right. Is, is, do we have anything else we want to say as a final? No? Just get into the word for yourself. It's just so rich. Yeah so much in it all right that's that's it from us don't draw me i'm professional self-control training you okay <laughs> all right so that's it from us 
um, this time. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. And I, again, just reiterating, Carolyn, just get in for the into the Word of God yourself. It is so rich um, and it's just useful for building yourself up. All right. Um, uh, what do I usually say? This is awkward. Yeah, I had to get on to www.hafren. <laughs> If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can jump onto our website at www.life-house.net. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and we'll see you next one for more Colossians.